Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hello and welcome to this new episode. We're super excited about this. We have an amazing guest coming on that Jude will introduce you to a little bit later, but we are talking about shamanic medicine and we're going to be talking a lot about plant medicine in this episode. And we have to start with the brow chakra, the sixth chakra, your third eye. Our brow chakra is our seventh sense. It's where we see beyond what we can see with our physical eyes. It's where psychic phenomenon comes in, telepathy, clairvoyance, clear seeing. And when we are expanding and working with our third eye, we are also working with our pineal gland. The pineal gland governs the third eye. It's this teeny weeny pea-sized gland that sits in the center of the skull. And this pineal gland will regulate our sexual cycles, our menstrual cycles. It has a hand in aging and longevity. It helps with our sense of direction. Its primary job is to regulate our sleep cycles. It works with our circadian rhythms, and it also secretes melatonin. And this is why when we travel, we will take melatonin to help regulate our sleep patterns. And so as this pineal gland is working with our third eye, it also is believed that it secretes dimethyltryptamine, which is DMT. Now, DMT is that chemical substance that is released by our pineal gland when we have near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and there's tons of science and experiments that are going on with it right now. You know, back in Egyptian times, they believed that the pineal gland was the third eye chakra. So when we are letting off this DMT, when we are passing from life into the beyond, life into death, It's believed that this DMT is secreted to help assist us through the transition from this life into the next. It brings about vivid visuals, psychic encounters, hallucinations, and it helps expand our consciousness. Now, DMT is found in animals and animals tend to use it much more than we do as humans. If you think of a group of geese that are flying in formation, they're not turning around and looking at each other to make sure that they're not bumping into each other. What they're doing is they're using their third eye, their ability to see beyond the physical. They're using their pineal gland to telepathically communicate with one another and fly in this lovely formation to where they're going. And animals tend to use that much more than humans. And then it's also found in plant life. DMT is found in such plants as peyote, medicinal mushrooms, and ayahuasca. And we're gonna be talking a lot about ayahuasca during this conversation. So when we ingest a plant that holds a high level of DMT, it stimulates or opens up or expands our own third eye, which helps us have a spiritual expansion. Again, it helps us connect multidimensionally. It helps us get to know ourselves a little bit more. It opens up self-awareness and a sense of self in a way that we may not be able to experience 
without it. Um, I like to think of it and I've never done it, but I like to think of it as maybe like a, a meditation on mushrooms. You know, what you might do in meditation to slowly get to this place by doing a ceremony with plant medicine, it helps you exceed that limitation of time and move into this much more swiftly. So what we are going to be talking about today is some of the experiences that Jude and our guest have had with DMT and with plant medicines and ceremony. And one other thing I'd like to talk about real quick that I wasn't aware of, because this is all new to me, is that DMT or doing a ceremony with plant medicine, not only can you go through a spiritual expansion or a self-awareness, but it has a lingering effect. They've studied it and they've found that even after the experience is over with, that there's a lingering effect of improved mindfulness, improved mood, emotional regulation, a sense of hopefulness, a sense of empowerment, a stronger sense of self, self-awareness and spiritual growth. And they're also doing a lot of studies right now and finding that it assists with such things as addictions, PTSD, depression, and anxiety. So this is going to be a really interesting episode because we have our special guest who has a lot of experience with shamanic ceremony and shamanic medicine. We have me who has absolutely none and is scared to death of it. And then we have Jude who has her psychic abilities and her ability to really visualize things that's kind of in the middle to help kind of bridge the gap, I think, between our guest experience and my own. So I'm excited to learn from this and I hope that you will pick up some interesting information as well as we proceed. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Jude. You're always the best at describing all of the factual details about whatever it is that we're talking about. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I throw out the dry stuff and then you kind of initiate all the juicy aspects of it all. <laughs> well, when it comes to psychedelics and psychoactive elements, I do have experience with it. Now, I want to say, I think that it should be done with caution and I think it should be done in the right environment and you should be very mindful about how you do it and set the right intention. As many young people do, when I was younger, I definitely experimented with psychedelics, but for me, it was a little bit different because I was already very open and very psychic and I had a lot of trauma. Okay. So my experience coming into working with psychoactive elements was a lot more intense than I think than most people would be. I was always that person, for example, let's just even talk about cannabis, which is a plant medicine and it has psychoactive elements where I would be around people who would be able to smoke it and smoke it and smoke it. And sometimes just me being in the same room, inhaling it secondhand would take me places or make me so ultra sensitive with my abilities that I generally would stay away from stuff like that because it's too much. Or with mushrooms, for example, like microdosing is a big thing now. Microdosing is kind of coming into the mainstream. It's pretty easy to access supplements that have microdoses of psychedelic mushrooms in them. And even for me, if I were to take a microdose, which I have, can be very transcendental. So I'm saying that with caution for everybody out there is like, we're not all going to experience these things the same way. And in my experience, having done them unfacilitated and facilitated by people who knew how to hold a strong container while you're going through these experiences, I highly recommend doing them in the, like the shamanic setting with the ceremony, with somebody who knows what they're doing and knows how to traverse those dimensions and understands how to read the frequencies around you and, and alter them to 
depending on what the needs are of the group. So I just wanted to say that first before we get into this anymore. From my experiences, when it comes to psychoactive plant medicines, being a clairvoyant, my sensitivity to them is this very clear knowing and understanding that each one of these elements has its own consciousness and its own spirit or its own program or formula. And you're kind of going to have like a thread of similarity every time you do mushrooms, every time you do ayahuasca, every time you do peyote, there's a spirit there that's sort of guiding that experience. Now, when it comes to chemical psychoactive elements, my perception of those are that those don't really have a spirit to them. Those are just sort of like a program to open you up to different dimensions. And then essentially you are sort of the spirit or your guide system is the spirit to help you navigate those psychedelic realms. But we're talking about shamanic medicines, plant spirit medicines that have its own consciousness that work intelligently with your spirit to do deeper healing. I don't have a ton of experience with shamanic medicines, mainly because it's not readily available to people in the United States. You sort of have to travel to other countries where it is accepted more or part of the culture to go have those experiences. So for me, it's very few and far between, and I've only had a small number of these experiences, but enough of them to kind of have a good handle on what it is and how it works. I just recently went to Peru and partook in a number of ceremonies, one of them being ayahuasca, which ayahuasca, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a combination of a vine and I think it's like a shrub plant, but neither of these plants have any effect on their own, but the mixing of them together creates a psychoactive component that when taken will induce like very strong hallucinogenic experiences that in the right situation can have really profound life-changing healing effects. Uh, ayahuasca ceremony done in the traditional way. Now there's different cultures that do them in different styles, but in the experiences I've had, which were more in the way of the Shipibo style, how it works is there's a shaman, there's generally a small group of people around a dozen, not really much more than that. And everyone takes a small cup, which would be like a shot glass maybe a half a shot glass, maybe even smaller, depending on what the shaman wants to give you. You take the drink and everybody sits in silence for maybe about a half hour or so as the medicine starts coming on. And when the shaman feels that the medicine has started taking effect, he or she will sing what are called ikaros. And ikaros are sort of channeled songs that come from the spirit of the medicine. And the words and the lyrics generally tend to have a very positive and uplifting and healing nature to them. And those songs kind of work with the medicine to do what it needs to do within your spirit body. In some traditions, these ceremonies happen in pure darkness. Only at night, there's not even a candle. You're totally under the cover of blackness. And the only thing that is guiding you is the song itself. So this allows you to go within and have an inner vision. And then there are some shamans that allow these ceremonies to happen during the day, which can be a totally different experience. The ceremonies last hours, but at some point, the shaman usually does a treatment on you. Like they do an individual cleansing for each person within the ceremony. So you utilize the medicine to dive in, to look at your things, to process, to purge. And the purge is 
usually the act of literally throwing up or vomiting or going to the bathroom and pooping in whatever way it's like expelling these energies from your body. And symbolically, it's done through like the physical purge that your body goes through. After the medicine does the work, the shaman sort of gives each person a blessing and kind of sweeps off and cleans off the last little bit of the the static that's left over from whatever the medicine was able to do. And then you're sort of reset and you feel refreshed and with a ton of clarity on how to move forward without all the baggage and You feel usually more secure, more confident. You feel more centered, more grounded. You have a greater connection to spirit, to source. You feel that true feeling of being a divine being within this physical vessel. So the shamanic medicine experience can be really profound and it can give you a super expanded perception of what's really happening in our collective reality. That's how an ayahuasca ceremony would go. And a lot of the other shamanic medicines are sort of done in the same way where there's somebody who's leading the circle. There are certain chants or prayers or songs that are sung. The medicine is administered and a container is held by the shaman while everybody goes through their experience. And then it's closed out in one form or another. Now, we are super excited today to have a special guest. His name is Chris Dyer, and he's a well-known visionary artist. He's Peruvian, but lives in Canada. He came up as a skateboard artist in the beginning, doing graffiti, and the things that he makes now are just profoundly beautiful, and it truly is an honor to be able to have him as a guest on our podcast today. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? (laughs) <laughs> How you doing, Judea? How you doing, Patty? I'm Good. doing fantastic myself. Yay. So Chris is here to sort of be the voice of the experiencer when it comes to plant medicine. Chris is going to share with us, because he's had a lot of experiences with plant medicines, ones that I've never even heard of before. And he's told me some of his amazing stories we thought it would be really interesting for him to come on and share some of his experiences so that those of you who have been curious about plant medicine or have fears around it or are thinking about doing it in the future will have a little bit more of a perspective from a firsthand experiencer. Chris, where do you begin? (laughs) First of all, thank you for having me over in your show. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've listened to at least uh, half of your episodes. I, I love him. I think it's very super valuable information that you guys share with your listeners. And uh, I learned so much in every episode. So um, it's a huge honor to be part of this. Thank you, Chris. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We feel great gratitude towards you for doing this and being here. So my question from coming from someone that's totally green about this is what does plant medicine offer you? What, what does it give to you? Why do you do it? Wow. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big question because it gives me so much. Mostly it just gives me a lot of reflections of who I am and what am I supposed to do here in this present incarnation. And uh, it cleans me, you know. It, uh, as you know, we all collect a bunch of traumas in our lives and uh, you don't want to live from that energy all your life. You want to clean them out so that you can just be your pure soul shining through and doing your higher actions to be your God self if possible. And I feel that uh, plant medicines are a gift from the other dimension to the physical plane for us to 
connect with uh, the Oversoul and uh, our guides. Like uh, you guys got these amazing powers, but I don't. So it's my chance to listen to these higher voices, to see where I'm at, to see uh, what I should do in my life, how to improve. And as I said, you know, to clean out what doesn't serve me any longer. That sounds great. And so when you do plant medicine, do you do it periodically as you're intuitively called to do it? Do you do it on somewhat of a regular schedule? Do you do it just when there are things coming up in your life? Well, I guess at the beginning, the first uh, medicines I was using was mushrooms and I wasn't doing it in a sacred conscious way. I was doing more to party, to open up a vibrational fun in me. And uh, as I grew up a little bit, I realized that there was more to be gained from these allies. And um, eventually, actually, I stopped doing them entirely for many, many years because I felt like I just wanted to be purely myself. But then they slowly returned into my life, mostly through ayahuasca. And uh, uh, the beginning was just about curiosity. And then I saw that actually I needed them periodically, at least once or twice a year, to connect to my higher self and clean out the things of that year and hopefully clean out the things from deeper and also put me back in a good direction so that I could be of better service from there on in that year. Uh, now I take him as they come to me because I just live my life. And if they come to me and I feel it's something I need at the time, then I will go and try them out and see if it's something that helps me. And usually it is. Awesome. So I would like to know about your first experience for somebody who's, if you've never done it, you're going in kind of blindly, you're kind of bracing yourself for, I don't know what's about to happen. What is your memory of how you perceived your first experience and what did you gain from that? Well, let's go to ayahuasca, which says the one that I started doing more intentionally because before ayahuasca was, uh, the important thing about these medicines is the setting. And before that, I was just kind of like doing it and doing it in certain settings that weren't sacred or intentional. But with ayahuasca, it's ceremony. You sit down in the dark and you meditate and you see and you listen and you learn and you grow and you go through it all. And the first ceremony, I'd say, which was more under the intention of curiosity, taught me a lot, taught me that there was so much more than I knew that existed, uh, all these dimensions and that time is so big that uh, so many things have happened over such a long period of time and I'm stuck in the middle of it or at least in the now. And there was a lot to learn and there was a lot to clean out. And yeah, it was just the beginning of a journey. Uh, when I went through it, I just, yeah, I was nervous, but my, at least my first ceremony was a beautiful gift. And what Ayahuasca told me is that my life was already my ceremony. It was all, I was already working with her and she thanked me and she rewarded me, but that I had to uh, keep on doing more work with her and these medicines. You know, I like how you mentioned her because when we're talking about 
plant medicines, the thing that's unique about them in terms of psychedelics is that they come with their own consciousness and their own spirit. And a lot of times the experiencer will experience that consciousness and that spirit. So do you feel that throughout your entire ayahuasca journey that you often encounter that same consciousness, this kind of guide that you say is speaking to you and giving you these messages? Yeah, definitely feel... Ayahuasca is a mysterious thing, you know, when I try to figure it out, it'll shift to another place. And they call it the hummingbird because it moves from here to there to here to there. And you can't really catch it. And at the same time, it's like this mirror that keeps on reflecting to you all these different angles of yourself. But yeah, I feel it as a female, as a grandmother with much love that will spank me if it needs to spank me, that will reflect me all the goods and the bads about myself so I can learn from these things. And then I've tried other plant medicines that were certainly, I don't want to say less loving, but uh, more male and more um, prickly or just had a different vibe to it. So when I question, what is this? It is an entity. Is it a portal to God? Is it God itself or an aspect of God speaking through this portal? I never have a clear truth to tell you, but I can only tell you what I feel. And I guess it's like a mix between everything, both the entity and God, the highest absolute creation God uh, coming through it. Wow. Beautiful. I have, I have a question. I know that you've done this many times. Mm-hmm. When you have these ceremonies and experiences, do they build upon one another? Are they all continuations of the big journey or does each one have its own essence and its own, is it like many different journeys or do you pick up where you left off and the lessons or the sensations or the visuals or the experiences kind of continue? Right. That's a great question. I'd say both uh, oh. because you learn things in each ceremony and you move a little bit further in your own personal journey. So in the next ceremony, you continue learning new aspects of yourself, but each ceremony can be totally different from the last. Some can be totally joyful and interdimensional. Others can be just a purge, just like, okay, let's get some junk out of this guy and I can just spend some hours throwing up and feeling sick till something that's been living in my body for a while decides to come out. (laughs) Now, Chris, you and I recently got to do an ayahuasca ceremony together in the same space and kind of bouncing our experiences off of each other after it was done. What I've come to understand about you is like, you're more of a feeler. Sometimes, you know, the work is being done, but you don't know what it is that's happening, but you get this great sense that it's being cleaned or something that shouldn't be there is leaving. What is your experience? Is it oftentimes visual or is it emotional? Is it a voice? Is How do you perceive the work that is being done for you? Right. Um, it's always different. Uh, sometimes it's visual and it will be hours of getting into some weird technological dimension and seeing so many things that I don't understand, but it's not from this planet. So I just feel it's some kind of like alien place maybe a different place or a different frequency. Other times is uh, like going to a psychologist and be like, hey, how do you feel about this guy? It's like, okay, I feel like this. Like, oh, maybe it's because of this. It's like, oh yeah. So it's like a conversation you're having with a very intelligent being that knows everything about you and is just trying to show you. Other times I feel I'm just on the surgery table and they are operating on me. These um, 
I don't know, insectoid alien entities are just going through my energetical body, shifting things around, expanding other parts, removing things. It's just a kind of surgery that I don't truly understand. I think uh, when you do it, you have a higher understanding of what's going on because you communicate so well with these interdimensional entities. But I just trust. I just trust. I let them do what they got to do. Always know that whatever's happening is exactly what I have to go through and that I will be a little bit better at the end of it. So there is a sense of safety and security in this experience. You're never questioning whether or not this is for your greater good. You do feel this sense of this is safe and this is okay. Yes. Um, I always know that ayahuasca won't hurt me. Uh, let's talk about ayahuasca because some have kind of hurt me too. <laughs> but in the end, that hurt can bring me to a better place. But yeah, I, I totally have trust and faith that whatever she or they have to put me through is for my higher good. And half the times is not a pleasurable experience. But it's like, once again, getting surgery. Surgery is not a fun thing. Going to the dentist is not a fun thing. Going to the gym is not a fun thing. But at the end of it, you come out stronger and cleaner and uh, better. So I just do the work. <laughs> and I just want to note here that this is done within a safe container with somebody who can navigate the medicine. And it's not like you're just out there in the jungle doing this by yourself, you know, unguarded. Right. I wouldn't do ayahuasca by myself. I know some people do it and the medicine will do the work, but it's always optimal if you're with somebody who's an expert in that dimension, who can guard you from, well, first of all, you need to be protected because you're opening up your spiritual body to, I don't know, everything. So you don't want uh, dirty entities sneaking in while I'm open. Uh, so it's important to be protected by the Icaros, by the tobacco, by the angels called in, by the um, elders and guides, etc. And then the music is important for me. Also, like a, a good guide or shaman should feel the vibes of the ceremony. And if he or she feels that the intensity of the, of the ceremonies is getting too um, strong and our hearts are beating too much and we're getting to a place that could take us into kind of panic mode, he or she has to play some calmer music and calm down the vibes and bring us back into a place of peace so we can continue doing the work without freaking out at the fact that we're being exposed to a dimension and way of being that we're not used to. The body freaks out. It's weird because with a lot of these medicines, I'm both can be in a state of bliss and happiness, but my body is in a state of anxiousness because it's like, what the hell is going on here? Stop this. I, this is not normal. So there's both things happening at the same time. And you just got to kind of like ground onto the good part and keep on moving forward and keep on breathing. <laughs> so this is the first time I've met you and you're obviously a very compassionate and empathic being. That's super clear. Being an empath and I understand how the shaman that's running the ceremony has great importance of how well the ceremony is going for you. But does it also depend on the people that you're with? Do you pick up energy from the people that are experiencing it around you? Does it end up sometimes being a group experience, like similarities between what people experience? Is it very individualized? And again, being an empath, do you pick up on the group energy? 
Uh, yes, but I try not to because I understand that we all have our own process. For example, I can be next to a person who's suffering a lot and puking and puking and puking. And if I choose to focus on their process, I can start feeling sad for them and be like, oh no, why do they have to be suffering so much? But in that way, I have to kind of like just be um, self-centered and be like, you know what, whatever they're going through, the medicine knows better. That's their process. I got my own and I keep on focusing on myself. Then there's other ceremonies that people get so activated that they're wide open to a way of being that they've never experienced before. And they turn into animals and entities come out through them and they start yelling or some people have orgasms or they're crying. And sometimes that can suck me into their zone because it's so strong that I can get sucked into their vortex. And once again, that's when I got to ground in myself, breathe and focus. It's like, just stay in yourselves, keep doing your work, let them do what they have to do and send them prayers. Of course, I send them all the best wishes so that they can uh, you know, make it through their process. But I got my own and uh, just got to have trust that everything will be okay in a couple hours. Being a clairvoyant, I don't need medicines to be able to see and interact with interdimensional beings and see things about my past and all of that. But what ayahuasca does in my experience is opening up things so I can't deny it or push it away or things that I may have been uncomfortable with or like, oh, maybe later, maybe later. And I keep pushing it down. I will take that and put it right in front of my face and make me look at it. And as you said, it's like, in my experience compared to others where I've been in circles of many people, and if everybody's going around sharing, I've noticed that not everybody's getting visions. I thought that Aya was going to be this medicine that pulls everybody up into that space and everybody was going to be able to have all the visions and all the encounters. And I've known people or met people within medicine circles who say they've done it dozens and dozens of times and never had a vision or maybe only once for a moment has seen something. But you and I had an interesting experience that I'd like to share about me helping you during an ayahuasca ceremony. And then you also having an experience on your own that sort of aligned with what I experienced. So on one of the night ceremonies that we drank medicine together, I was like in my own world, having my own experience about my own things. And then suddenly I was hurled into this very dark void, this dark space. And there was all this imagery going around. And I sort of felt like I was in the ghetto is the best way I can describe it. I felt like I was in like a murky, dirty part of some, you know, it sort of felt like being under the bridge. Like there was even images of like graffiti and things going by, <laughs> but I felt very spooky and, and it felt creepy and dark. And then I saw this little boy in that darkness kind of lost way in the distance. And this little boy was super, super sad. I felt like this boy was very insecure and didn't know that they were special, that they felt like people didn't really like them. And I felt so sad for this boy, but I also knew that little boy was you. And we did a podcast on soul retrieval. It was the episode previous to this one. And this is sort of how one would unfold for me from my perspective of doing a soul retrieval on somebody else. So I gathered in this little boy and told this little boy that he was going to do great things and that he's beautiful and that he didn't need to stay there. And I pulled him out of that darkness. And then I watched that little boy 
start walking up these stairs and every step that he took up that stairway, he got older and older and older until when he was at the top stair, I saw the version of you that I know now. And there was this big, beautiful door there. And then I saw you go through the door and the next day we talked about it and you had a very specific vision of the door. So I'm wondering if you would share that. Yes, Julianne. Um, First of all, sorry for taking you to my hellish ghetto. <laughs> and, and thank you always for coming to my rescue. You're the best. Uh, oh, anytime. I, I can't tell how much appreciation and love I have for you and everything you've done for me. Um, but yeah, you were there to help me once again to go up the stairs of evolution. Now, that particular ceremony... I had gone, you know, done my process. It was deep and it seemed it was all over. The music had stopped. The shaman had left and we're, I was just kind of like sitting around the fire. But then something was coming up with me. I started burping and burping and burping. I was like, whoa, what is that? Like a frog got in me or something. And then I was getting sicker and sicker and the burps started to make some weird noises, like some kind of critter was in there. Um, making itself obvious. So I was like, oh, this is one of those where I got to exercise or purge out some kind of entity that does not belong in here. So I went to my mat away from the group and uh, did some rapé that usually makes me so nauseous that uh, I can't, you know, that I want to puke, but I couldn't really purge it. These entities resist coming out. They want to continue living in my body. And uh, that's when I called for your help, Julia, help me. And you came and you did some singing bowl action on me. And I just went deep into the void of energy. I just saw myself as pure energy as you were playing this beautiful sounds. And I saw myself just standing at the gates of heaven, like looking at God being like, God, I want to be free. Please liberate myself from all this chains that I have all these things where I care so much what other people think about me I'm not free as long as I live my life according to what others think of me how can I be free and God's like be free Chris you know just do it just jump and that's the next morning I cut off my dreads that I've had for 21 years and yeah and I drew that uh, gates of heaven a crude representation because you can never really capture that dimension truly but i guess it matched what you had seen in your own vision so i guess we were in there together right yeah i I find that the correlation to be interesting and fascinating because i've never really had that experience with somebody uh during a ceremony usually every ceremony i've ever done has been really about me and my process and my history and my pain and all of that but what was different and unique about the ceremonies that I was able to do with you is I found that a lot of the work I did was on behalf of others this time around. And maybe that's really because I've had so much focus on my healing work and, and always being of service of others. And so I feel like it kind of turned the tables for me, but in, in the same sense, it also did work for me, but I also want to share what happened in the next ceremony, because when I actually told you about what had happened, of course, I was so apologetic. Like I wasn't trying to look, I'm not trying to pry. I'm not trying to look into your stuff. Like, I'm so sorry. And of course you were like, Oh, of course, please. Anytime. And then the next ceremony, you came up to me and you were like, look, I just want you to know that if anything shows up, you have my full permission to look like, don't be apprehensive. 
And so I was like, okay, you know, I was like, you know, if it comes up, I'm not going to go looking for it, but if it does, sure, I will definitely uh, do whatever work is available to be done. And so in that next ceremony, I had this experience where I became you and went through your entire life from being a young boy all the way up through your teenage years, all the way up through your young adulthood into up to where you were at now. And I went through these kind of checkpoints in your life where you had experienced some sort of trauma or some sort of emotional charge. And I was doing a lot of clearing for you around those things that had happened in your life. But what was also interesting was I was experiencing your dreadlocks, which you had just cut off. Like I watched you cut your dreads off and you cut them off very quickly. And I myself had just cut my dreadlocks off. And for me, it was this, I cut a dreadlock off and I cried and I breathed and I had to process. And then I would cut the next one off. And I saw you just zip them off in like 30 seconds, which kind of was like, whoa, this is, that's crazy. Cause I don't know if I would have been able to do that. But while I was going through your life, I had helped process all these energies that I felt like were kind of blocked up in your hair, you know, these energies that you had been holding on to. And it's, it's very interesting that you wanted to be liberated and you, you made this like bold gesture of cutting your hair off, but this, there was energies in there that were holding you down and holding you back. But what I found really curious about it is of all the ceremonies we had done, every time I had like peeked up at you during any of the ceremonies, you were definitely going through it. You were moving and purging and making noise. But this particular ceremony, you seemed oddly still (laughs) while I was going through all of your stuff. And after I had had that big purge, I saw you get up and go get another cup of medicine. And I had only had the one. And when you drank that cup, I felt it go into my mouth. I tasted it and drank it down. And I was looking at you like, no, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do that. Like, I was like, no, please don't give me any more. Cause I was already so out, you know, I was already so deep in it. And I, and that was one of my only days of really purging. No, no offense to you. But when I was going through your stuff that I was having a hard time, I was purging and purging and purging. And, uh, I saw you drink the cup and then I ended up getting higher after that. And you were so good that you decided to get up and dance. And it was kind of funny because when you started dancing and moving around, it was like enhancing, you know, it was like aggravating. It was almost like, cause I was still you. I felt like I was you, I wasn't me anymore. So when your body was moving, I felt all of like the cobwebs in the corner moving up and needing to be purged out. And uh, later on, when we had talked, you were like, yeah, it's kind of odd. I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really go there today. And I was like, yeah, because I, I took it for you, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, You stole my ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> but once again, you went to my rescue and did another soul retrieval and healed aspects of my past that I myself don't have that power. You're so powerful that oh. I'm, such a, I'm such a badass that you just go into my hells and unlock <laughs> and liberate poor hurt little Chris. Oh, so he can feel better. So I don't mind uh, that I didn't get super high off that uh, ceremony. It, it's okay. I, I, I had fun dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it interesting how, because nothing like that's ever happened to me before, like the, the psychic transfer that can happen within the ceremony that you could drink it across the room and I'm the one that's experiencing it. So I thought the well, listeners would- I'd say you, you're a unique person. I've never heard that happen before, but 
you got special powers that most people don't. So. <laughs> That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a trip. It was a trip. Yeah. All right. So speaking of hell, doing any type of hallucinogen scares the hell out of me. You know, I've done plenty of recreational drugs, but it, I've always stayed away from that. And we know when people have urged me or invited me to do it, I always joke around and say, oh no, I live in a hallucinogenic world. I'm seeking clarity, not the opposite. However, talking to you, to both of you, it sounds like you really do achieve a lot of clarity through the ceremony and through the plant medicine. Would would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised that you're uh... Nervous about these uh, experiences, Patty, because you yourself are a badass and so powerful. I'm sure you would have the strength to go through it and maybe learn aspects of yourself that would empower you even further. Well, thank you. It's beyond being frightened of it. It actually does scare the hell out of me. And I think that I have a pretty vast third eye. And I know that DMT and plant medicine will increase the the opening of your third eye. And I guess I'm kind of worried that my third eye would explode <laughs> if I were to do this. Like it would just be all over the room. Um, but anyway, so for people that are frightened of doing it, do you have words of wisdom or something to make us feel better? And have you ever seen anybody that's had such a negative experience that they've had trouble coming back from that? Yeah, certainly these medicines are super powerful technology and it's not for everybody. If you feel your intuition tells you to not go there because uh, the activations would be more than you can handle, I personally feel that you'd be like Judea where at the beginning it'd be overwhelming, but then you learn how to ring it in and use those bigger powers or know when to shut them down. But as for normal people like me, different people got different sensitivities, uh, different people got different traumas, but it all depends what's your intentions and what you want to achieve. I myself, I can't live a life in fear and in chains and in a million boxes that society has put me in. So for me, it's worth going through the struggles if at the end I can just be a happier person and not a lot of people live with that uh, intention. A lot of people are happy in their boxes and in their chains, they're comfortable in them and there has to be there that yearning for liberation in order to go through the hardships. If people just want to, you know, get high and see some trippy stuff, you know, they might be disappointed or maybe even hurt by the experience. And yeah, also, you know, some people got different chemical compositions in their brains. If you're close to schizophrenia, better not to do a lot of psychedelics because it could take you off your balance. Uh, Definitely, we've heard of enough people who've done too much acid and they went crazy. And um, I've only heard one person who did ayahuasca and she was off for months after that. So definitely, you know, you want to make sure that you're the right kind of person who can handle such experiences. But if you're balanced or, you know, strong to any degree, I think it could be a beneficial medicine. Okay. And thank you for that. And I have a question after Jude had told me so much about her ceremony and her experiences, I decided to meditate and invite ayahuasca in. And I'll I'll probably talk about this a little bit later in the podcast. And I had a really amazing meditation that Jude said was in alignment 
with Aya and what other people experience. So my question for you is, is it possible to take some type of a lesser dose or to go in and just be in the room where ceremony is happening and be under the expertise of a shaman and have an experience without actually ingesting the medicine? Yeah, totally. So for example, the first time I did ceremony, I went with my ex-wife and she's kind of psychic too, and she's way sensitive and she wasn't going to drink the medicine. I think, well, once she smoked weed with me and she was off for a couple years, it just took her out of her balance. So when we did ceremony, she just put a little bit of ayahuasca on her forehead, on her third eye. And that was enough to put her in the zone a little bit. And uh, the shaman went and cleared out the weed entity that had stuck to her head. So that was beneficial. Um, But yeah, and then I took my parents once to the jungle and the shaman gave very little bit to my mom. She's 70 years old. She's not really done much at all. And to shock her into taking her to some dimension that's just kind of frightening uh, was not going to be good for her. But she, uh, ayahuasca just put her to sleep, gave her a, a nice sense of relaxation, made her see some colorful stars and all good. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, he was puking a lot and he was just getting rid of some of his own demons. So definitely uh, that's where a good shaman comes through and doesn't give the same amount to everybody. He feels out like, okay, well, this person needs more, this person needs less. This person probably doesn't need it at all. Like uh, to the center I used to go to, you have to fill in a medical form. And for example, if you're going through uh, a heroin addiction, you're not accepted into the circle because that's a battle that they don't want to put up with. There's centers specifically designed for removing uh, big addictions like heroin or crack or whatever. But that's like a that's like a full on exorcism. And uh, that's a different, (laughs) that's a different vibe. So yeah, different for everybody. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. Interesting. Mm. So beyond ayahuasca though, you've done some other interesting ceremonial situations. One of them you told me about was, is it Bufo? Is that what that's called? Yeah. Bufo Alvarez. Uh, Yeah. Could you tell us about that? What is that? How do you do it? And what was your experience? Bufo is a toad from the Sonora Desert of Mexico, and uh, it's basically 5-MAO DMT. So it's basically four times stronger than normal DMT that you smoke, and it sends you straight to the dimension of light. So I got into that dimension with ayahuasca eventually, like maybe 20 something ceremonies in as I got more comfortable in that interdimensional space. And sometimes I was like, okay, we're going to go a little bit higher now. Are you ready? Let go, let go, let go. It's all about letting go. And then I, you know, dived into the light where you disappear and you become everything and nothing at the same time. Bufo is like you smoke it and it just shoots you straight there. And it can be very, very shocking to me. It was, I, I can't do that anymore. It was very um, uh, aggressive. It's uh, animal medicine to start with. And uh, it's just very strong. It's very strong technology. So basically I smoked it and the sun exploded and I exploded and I became light and nothing and everything. And I can't even remember, but in the video I'm on the floor just shaking. And then I 
wake up 10 minutes later and I'm all confused. And the rest of the day, I was so confused. It's like, did I die? What happened? Did I really die? My, my ego was like, why did you kill me? Like, what did I ever do to you, Chris? Why would you kill me? And that night I just had panic attacks where I felt that if I fell asleep, I was going to fall into the void of everything and nothingness and never come back to human life. And I was like, I don't know if I, like, I can accept the fact that I'm going to die. And if I die tonight, I guess I'll accept it because that's part of life. But I'd feel bad for my parents and everybody. I don't want to die. And my body was not allowing me to fall asleep. Every time I'd fall asleep, I was like, no, don't, don't sleep, Chris. We're going to die. So it was not beneficial, at least that first day. Luckily, the next day, I went to some other shamanic healers that made a little ceremony around me, nothing psychedelic, where they were like uh, using uh, sage and Agua de Florida and, and prayers. And one of the healers was sucking from my neck and then going outside and throwing up and then coming back and sucking from my neck and throwing up outside. Basically, the bufo brought up all of my fears and darkness up to the top and he was able to remove it. So after that, I was able to be in that interdimensional space, but in a vibration of peace and happiness. And it was like very, I felt very empowered and activating. And then when I went to sleep for the next week these beings that once again i can't see but i can feel would come and operate on me and give me all these feelings that i can't even explain because what is a feeling anyways but i've never feel those feelings before but it felt expansive it felt like they were healing me and uh, it was just very interesting they would visit me in my dreams sometimes it was just like like an explosion of light that dimension and that was bufo <laughs> wow does animal um, medicine tend to be more powerful or stronger than plant medicine or not necessarily? Um, I wouldn't know the answer to that question, but I was a vegetarian at the time and I was working with plant medicine and all of a sudden I was given the strongest animal medicine. Mm -hmm. So th there's a different code to it. And it also felt very male. And it was also some kind of interdimensional entity that does not understand what it is to be a human. So if he's being aggressive with you to try to wake you up or break your ego or get you out of your chains, he doesn't know how much he's actually hurting you. And it can actually do more damage at the end of the day, if not surrounded by shamanic healers to uh, integrate the experience properly. So yeah, definitely that's a, for me, that's a dangerous uh, medicine. As much as I heard, it's really unlocked so many people from their cages. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that for anyone who was interested in doing that, 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 <laughs> that comes with some big red flags, uh, powerful medicine. So another type of frog medicine that I did when I was in Peru recently was combo. That was my first time doing it. And I've heard a lot of intense stories from people. I know a lot of people who've done it and that's supposed to go in and kind of sweep out all the toxins and the ickiness out of your system. I think even physically and vibrationally, if I'm correct. And I had a, a huge anticipation about doing it because I'm so sensitive and when you take it, what happens, it, it only takes a few minutes and then people start getting very nauseated and very hot and they start throwing up, but it's supposed to be very cleansing and clearing for your physical body and kind of keep you young and healthy and vibrant and all of that. 
when I actually went and did it, nothing happened. I think I was the only one in the circle. Well, <laughs> like the shaman had gone around and served the first three, four people. And by the time they had gotten to me, those first people were already you being one of them, Chris bent over just purging so hard. And I was like, Oh no, here we go. And, mm. uh, I took it, it was administered and it felt like a warm hug and mm. it felt really nice. And so then I actually did a second ceremony because I felt like, okay, well, maybe that was just warming me up. And the, and the same thing happened again. So being somebody who didn't get the full scope of combo, could you describe what it is actually like when it does what it's supposed to do? Well, I'd say you're both very lucky and perhaps uh, you're pure and you don't have much. Oh, I doubt that. Um, yeah, well, the combo medicine is not a psychedelic. Um, you don't really see anything, or at least I haven't. Maybe some people do. I know some people pass out. It's a secretion from the legs of a frog uh, from the Amazon. So it's from the area that ayahuasca is from. And you burn holes into your body with like a little incense stick kind of thingy. And then you put the little venom, I guess, on those holes so that it goes straight into your blood system. And in five to 10 minutes, you get a really high pressure fever, like your whole body is being attacked. And uh, some people's face swell up, their lips. I, I don't swell up so much, but I get really red and I start sweating. And before that, of course, you drink a lot of water. So you got a lot to get out. And then most times, I guess like 90% of the times I'll be throwing up. Other times I'll be pooping. I don't like shitting my pants, but in, uh, in Brazil, we do it in the morning by the river. And, uh, you know, then you'll jump in the river and you clean up, but basically it's just getting all these impurities out of your body from all the way down to your deep cellular tissue, just junk that's been there for too long. So it cleans you up, but also since your body just got this massive attack, it builds your immune system. So it's like a Amazonian jungle vaccination that just makes you so much stronger because now your body is aware that there, these kinds of attack could happen. So it has to like protect you. So I do combo a couple of times a year, you know, seeing that I'm in my forties, I want to stay young and strong. And uh, yeah, it's not enjoyable at the time. But once again, these shamanic medicines are usually not very fun in many respects. I've never drank or taken one that's being good tasting, for example. They always taste so bad. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's kind of like you got to pay your dues. You got to pay the price to get to the good part. So it's kind of like life in a way. Hooray, Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So we've been talking primarily about plant medicine and it's been limited to ayahuasca and mushrooms. And I'm sure there's tons of plant medicine out there. Are there other plant medicines that you've experienced that you just like to throw the name out there so we're aware of? Right. Recently, I've been working with Huachuma, which is a San Pedro cactus, which is also the cousin of peyote, which is more uh, from Mexico. San Pedro is from Peru. It's actually from the area that I live in the desert of the coast of Peru. And it's a long cactus that you cut the green parts and you boil it and then you drink it. Now that has a more male code. And I drank it more recently. Once again, as I was saying previously, sometimes I'll do these ceremonies as they come to me. And sometimes it's ayahuasca, the spirit of ayahuasca itself that guides me to these other ceremonies that are not 
involving her because she feels there's different things these different uh, entities or medicines can teach me or heal me with. And I've done uh, Wachuma, you know, we went to Cusco and we just drank a little bit and we felt the vibes and it was really nice. But then last month when I had a lot of negativity to clear from my life, I did a big ceremony with a giant cup and it was like 10 hours long of suffering and belly pains and intestinal shifts. And it was a big purge. I puked and I puked and I puked, but it got out of me all this negativity that had been thrown at me for that month. And uh, it was worth it. When I'm in it, once again, I really don't like it. And I'm like, why do I do Why have I chosen this path that's so hard and unenjoyable? But then after my life is so much better, you know, I get rid of all that junk that I don't need and I can live a happy life, which is so worth it. Interesting. So that's what Chuma. Um, I know there's Iboga. Iboga is from Africa. I know that's stronger than ayahuasca from what I'm told. I haven't tried it. That's one that I don't really feel I have to. Like, I don't have to do all of them. Like, doing Bufo taught me that, hey, you don't have to do them all just because they exist. But who knows? Maybe if it's part of my journey and it comes to me in a way, maybe that time will be right. I don't know. There's a lot. Mushrooms has been uh, something that I've started taking more ceremoniously. Uh, last year, when there was all the shutdowns and stay-at-home lockdown situation, I was laying by myself. I was going through a breakup and I was really sad and I was missing my ceremonies. I would lift up my spirits. So I just would, I, I bought a big bag of mushrooms and the days that were just very sad, I would eat like a gram or two, turn off the lights, put on my shamanic music, sit on the floor of my living room with a bucket and just let things come out and you know throwing up on mushrooms is not what you do but for me when I do mushrooms it kind of turns into ayahuasca it's kind of like the portals open and ayahuasca wakes up it's like all right let me do my job now <laughs> and uh, yeah because I'm such in a relationship with ayahuasca that it, other substances can open up the space for her to work through me too oh, um, interesting yeah but most people who do mushrooms just kind of like laugh and run around and have a good time so <laughs> it's different for everybody I guess and the intention right. I think intention is everything. And that's always something Patty and I try to share with people. It's like, you can do those things. And if you're expecting to just like party and have fun, you're not going to get much out of it. But you went there, you put out the bucket before you even took the stuff. You know what I mean? You already knew where you were going. So <laughs> right. yeah, good for you. And I cried and I cried and I cried. Aww. But it's good. Sometimes you just got to cry it out. Like I can't, as a man, it's difficult for me to cry randomly when I'm sad. But on mushrooms, I can cry for like half an hour really hard to the point that my neighbors are worried about me. But then you get all your emotions out and you feel better the next day. So that's a good thing. You know, speaking of um, crying, because you told me about another plant medicine that you took. Now, these are non-psychoactive plants, but you did a, a master plant dieta, which you work specifically with one plant. And each plant, if you, you know, all things in nature and our natural world has its own consciousness and its own spirit. You sort of did a intensive with one specific plant. You did this three different times with three different plants that have its own spirit. And now you have this plant medicine integrated into your spirit body to use as an ally, as a spirit guide moving forward. So could you tell us a little bit about those three 
non-psychoactive plant spirits. Right. So on the shamanic path, the focus for you to move forward in your evolution is actually more on the path of doing these dietas, a diet of master plants. Ayahuasca complements and then tag teams once you're doing a dieta. But when you do a dieta, you're basically drinking this master plant for 10 days at least as you sit by yourself in your hut. And while you're not eating other things that compete with it, no sugars, no salts, no condiments, you don't use soap, no toothpaste, no nothing that will compete with this substance you're drinking. It's not psychoactive, but some things awaken in you, like the dreams that you'll have on them or your sensitivity. And then there's a post-dieta, like the whole month after, you got to continue eating bland and keeping it shanti so that the master plant entity can integrate into your body. So I've done three of them, ajosacha, bovinsana, and bachuja. One is a root and the two others are trees that are turned into liquids. They're always super disgusting. And they got different properties like uh, bovinsana is very watery and female and makes you very sensitive. Bachu has a strong tree and makes you, puts like a strong root inside your body so you can be stronger. Ajosacha is kind of like you're drinking garlic juice and uh, it just makes you more grounded to the earth. So it's kind of like these entities or consciousnesses somehow got into these different trees, roots, plants. And then when you drink them, they get in you and they become your guides. And it was so great when you did the first reading you saw them, all three of them hanging out together. It's like, there's this strong guy and then there's this female watery entity and there's this grounded, it's like, oh yeah, those are my plants. Right, because I didn't know that. <laughs> that was like an interesting validation when we had a reading. I was like, who are these three beings here? And you're like, oh yeah, those are my master plant spirits. So that was cool. Right, I, I was so stoked to learn that they were still hanging out with me. Because once again, as a guy who has no psychic vision, it was great to know that they were in me, that were still working for me, they were guiding me to some degree. And uh, now having that awareness, I can call on them more consciously. So ultimately, I'm seeing as this journey with shamanic medicines, let's say, whether plant or animal or however it may be, um, it puts you in a more intimate relationship with the consciousness or the spirit of the natural world, the plants. Aya being sort of like a the matriarch of the plant world, you know, so she's working in conjunction with these other plants or she can introduce you, as you said, she led you to San Pedro. And so she can work through you and working through you through these other plant medicines. Yeah. Chris, thank you for your insights. I mean, this has been really amazing. Patty, do you have any other curiosities that you'd like to pick his brain about? <laughs> I cannot let you go without asking about your art. Chris, you know, if you go on his website or on his Instagram and look at his art, because it's just amazing and it's so unique and it has such a spiritual energy about it. So I have a couple questions. I'm curious if your art follows some type of specific sacred or ancestral method of painting, because there's just such a uniqueness about each one, but there's such an energy that kind of is present in each one at the same time. And then I'd also like to know how your ceremony or your spirituality affects your art. Uh, thank you, first of all. I don't have some kind of 
specific path that I do for my art. My art's just a reflection of who I am in different ways. And I got different aspects of myself. I'm actually just a city dude. I'm not like a super, you know, I don't look like a shamanic person. Uh, I just follow this path for my healing. And I've always done spiritual art because I am spirit. And I express that spirit through images. So that is reflected in it. Now, how the medicine has affected my art is as I do medicines, I evolve as a person and then this evolved person will do new art. And then that is reflected in those paintings or drawings or whatever I do. So the medicine shines through it. It's like sometimes I feel like if I do a new psychedelic, I'll get these crazy visions and then my art will change. But it's never really like that because I'll still be me. I still have the filter of Chris but the vibration that I'm injecting into what I'm trying to put out there will be different because I have changed inside. And sometimes I will try to capture the visions that I see inside of my journeys. It's difficult because it moves so much <laughs> and it's not made out of matter. It's usually made out of light. And my memory is not that great that I can remember something so detailed and crazy, but it's kind of like I'm just trying to express feelings and um, I feel that any art can be psychedelic art. Any art can be influenced by the medicine. You can do a Bob Ross landscape and it can still be ayahuasca art if it's coming from that heart and vibration of what you learned inside the void of all reality. So, yeah, I'm just trying to grow as a person and hopefully my art reflects that. That's beautiful. And I guess, you know, art is self-expression and the more you learn about yourself, whether it's through plant medicine or meditation or anything else that does kind of facilitate you expressing yourself in a deeper way or in a more profound way. I think that what I love about you as an artist, the most is the sense of vulnerability that you have as an artist and that you've always been that way. Like you have such an amazing record of all of your experiences and all of the work that you've done since you were even a little kid. I'm an artist, but I never kept anything. Everything to me was so impermanent, you know? And then I look at you and you have this just record of your whole journey as an artist and through your spiritual growth and always being so willing to share with people your process, the highs and the lows. And I want to just point out to people is you have a YouTube channel and not only do you document through art in your canvases, but through video, you've traveled all over the world. You've seen some of the most amazing things and you've documented a lot of your experience for the last few decades through video. And for people who wanted to kind of see really what an interesting dynamic and colorful person you are, I really urge you to go check out his YouTube channel and see where you've been and the experiences you've had. When you go do these world travels, you tend to go to places that have some big energy. You're not just doing the normal tourist stuff. Like you're going to some powerful portal spots and doing your meditations and getting inspiration for your artwork. And I think that's just really one of the coolest things about you as an artist. Thank you, Julia. Well, I'd say to start on your first point that you are impermanent about your art is because you're so giving. You do your art and then you give it away. You don't have to hold on to it. I, on the other hand, I'm very attached. I do my art and I want to hold on to it. I just want to keep it because it's kind of like I'm trying to hold on to physical reality. I'm just so stoked on reality. I want to bottle it and keep it and keep on savoring every moment. But 
in general, I'd say like, yes, I do art and I guess I'm an artist, but in general, I'm a storyteller and I'm just telling my story as it goes. May it be video or writing or paintings or drawings. I'm just trying to share my experience because that's my nature as somebody who creates and shares. And uh, yeah, I like traveling to places that are interesting because our best painting, our best art piece is our life. So if we're going to boring places, our painting has boring colors. So might as well go to places that are super special so that our, the painting of our life is so much more beautiful. And there's more beautiful things to share also with the viewers out there. Because I find like we live in a world that has so much beauty, but there's a lot of focus on negative things and negative events. And, you know, there's so much of that on the media that if I can create my own media that shows a spotlight on all these beautiful things that are there also, then I can add to the code of the world and help make the world a better place by just realizing how beautiful it is to start with. Chris has always been very generous with his spotlight and he knows so many interesting people. He also has a podcast that he does. It's a video podcast on your YouTube channel and you interview musicians, artists, just trippy. Yeah. Creative (laughs) friends, people who are just interesting and fascinating. And so I urge people also to like, look at that. You bring so much to the table and you're so generous with this thought of like unity and bringing us all together and amplifying each other's powers. And I also really love that about you as a person in general, but yeah, you, you have a way of bringing people together and really shining the light. The more of us that band together, the brighter we can be. And that's, you know, greater for the planet in general. Right. Well, I'm here to serve. If ayahuasca taught me anything, well, it's taught me many things, but one of the main things it's taught me is I'm here to be a servant to the light, to get closer to the light and also bring my family closer to it. Like, I'm not going to take any way to enlightenment because I myself haven't gotten there. But if we can all just get on this path, then we got better chances to get there together. The more of us who do our work and uh, raise the vibration, the easier it is for everybody else. So yeah, I'm just trying to do my work for myself and empower anybody else out there. And uh, if you guys want to check out my podcast, Julia will be one of my guests in like, a month time from now, I think, is when your uh, episode will come out because I release him every second week. So yeah, that will be a good one. We did it from Cusco. So it's a nice background. Landscape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun. I'm excited to see it. Hopefully it went well. <laughs> oh, Chris, yeah. Chris, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it's been such a gift and a pleasure to meet you. You're such an amazing person. And to have you on our podcast, it's just been really amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Patty. It's a huge honor. As I said, I'm a fan of your show and I I don't know if I'm your first guest, but if I am, (laughs) what a great honor. You're our first male guest. Yeah, first male. Yeah, thanks, Chris, so much as always. We look forward to seeing what other creations you bring forward for us. I'm looking forward to keeping up with all the amazingness that you do. Thank you. You too. (laughs) All right. And so... Now that we have heard from these psychedelic, brave, bold plant medicine pioneers, I'm going to speak up from the place of a chicken and somebody that's super cautious 
on all of these things. And, and just like you said earlier, I'm extremely sensitive to anything I put in my body, whether it be a, an illegal drug, a legal drug, a tea, you know, whatever it is, I'm highly affected. I've actually hallucinated after smoking weed you know, which is ridiculous, but it has happened to me. So as I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of fear and fright around doing anything psychedelic, but I had been talking to Jude one night and she was telling me about her experiences with ayahuasca. And it was so profound and amazing and interesting that that night when I went to bed, I decided that I was going to meditate and invite ayahuasca in and just see what happened. So I did this meditation. I invited her in and asked her to work with me. And the first thing that showed up for me was this huge, beautiful, feminine white snake, just amazing, extreme feminine goddess energy. And she just kind of moved within me and helped open up my chakras. And I could not only see her visually as clear as day, but really experience the energy that she brought. And then it shifted from her into me being outside of my body and looking at my body. And I was laying in bed. And as I was looking at myself, I was lying down. And all of a sudden, I guess I would explain it that I started to rise out of my body, like my essence rose out. But as it happened, it's kind of like I was watching myself rise out of my body. And it's like, I left my skin behind. So hovering above my physical body with skin intact, I was there without skin. And it sounds really gross, but actually as I was experiencing it, it was beautiful. And then I seemed to leave my muscles behind. And the next layer, as I rose up a little bit more, a few feet, it was just kind of tissue on bone and liquid. And then I rose up till I was just a skeleton and I kind of paused there for a moment, just in the skeletal form. And then I rose up just into my pure essence or my pure light or myself. And from there, I was able to leave and travel multidimensionally. I met up with beings that I've never seen before. I just experienced a whole world of things that I had never, ever encountered. And along with this, I just felt like I had this full awareness of myself and the sense of self-acceptance and self-love. It's almost like I was unpeeled down to the very core and that I was operating from that space. So while this is happening, you know, and I, I'm just experiencing this in the background, I could hear singing and chanting and what sounded like rattles going off, just lovely in the background. And this went on for a while. And then I finally came out of it. And like I said, it's like nothing I've experienced before. I've done a lot of meditations. I've gone into the void. I've been able to astral travel, but this had an energy about it that was fully unique from anything that I had, had ever experienced and just seemed to be radiating from a totally different source than anything I had ever connected with in the past. So a day or two later, I called June. I'm like, well, I invited ayahuasca in and this is what I experienced. And I'll kind of let you take over here. But she started off by telling me right away that ayahuasca, she is feminine and she does show up as a snake. Is that right, Jude? For many people, for many people, she shows up as a snake, and and that's what I love about you, Patty. Is you're so tuned in and tapped in, and we don't really need these psychoactive elements to tap into our true power. And it's a universal language when we go into these like metaphysical spaces, and that you were able to tap into that and open that gateway into that. But Aya, she's also a, a spiritual ally, just like we have our deities and, you know, your allies in the spirit realm, your spirit guides that you call upon. She very much is like a spirit guide. And I love that she came in and showed herself to you. 
And that is her process. Like that was your version of this stripping down the layers to get to the core essence of who you are. But that's what she does to a lot of people. Almost every ceremony, there is this sense of like stripping down the ego or stripping down the facade of who you think you are and getting down to the truth of who you are and um, taking you on these journeys to meet other beings and entities and going into dimensions you've never been in. Like that's exactly what my experiences tend to be like. And I love that she showed herself to you as a snake. I've had visions of her as a snake. This last time when I was in Peru, I actually saw her as a giant tarantula, which, yeah, which shocked me a little bit. I was like, whoa, giant hairy spider in here. But like, (laughs) as soon as I saw it, I knew it was her. And uh, when I shared in circle the next day that that's what I saw, apparently other people have had that. It's a common vision to see her as spider energy. And I think she can take different forms. I had somebody else in the same ceremony say they saw her as dragon. She can take on any form from the natural world as a jaguar, as a cougar, as a bird. And I've also heard her embodying different plants, her spirit, like coming to you as a plant energy and like a viney being. I've heard people talk about her coming in as female, like with breasts and hips and hair and the whole deal. And I think she can take on any form to however anyone's going to resonate with that energy. But the snake being the most common one is from my understanding. That's so interesting. And, you know, you'd explain to me or describe some of your experiences, but I wasn't aware that she was seen as a, a feminine energy. And I really didn't know that there was singing that happened either. So when you told me after I'd had this experience that singing was a regular part of it, you know, that was kind of trippy. But I just wanted to ask you about the singing. I love how you explained that it was a channeled song that comes through. Do you feel like the singing is opening things up or do you feel like it's grounding people or is it working as a tether to keep them from going out too far or all of the above or none of it? All of the above. And, you know, to me, the way I see it is these songs are carry a frequency and a vibration and wherever that sound goes creates the container. So when you're singing out, as far as you can hear that music, it kind of cleanses and clears any of that static, that sticky energy. For me, a common experience I have in the beginning of an ayahuasca ceremony is in that silent period right before the Akaros start being sung. And when the medicine is working and starting to kind of spill out the unhealed energies on people, the room gets very hairy feeling to me, like really staticky and like uncomfortable. Imagine like if you're sitting inside a hairball or if you had hair or sand inside your mouth, but but I'm very sensitive. Not everybody else is going to pick that up, but I know these are the energies I'm picking up from the other participants in the group. I'm always like, oh, I, I need somebody to start singing a song right now, because as soon as I hear the shaman start singing, It's like this energy sweeps through and breaks up all that muck and gets it out of there. And as far as that song can go, it will create that container. And some of the songs are different. Some are very upbeat and very happy and very blissful. Some are a little bit more somber and more sad and more deep. Some of them are very courageous sounding and they bring strength. And a lot of the songs are in another language. I actually don't even know what half of the songs are, but yet you can feel the energy of it. And I think everybody has different experiences with different songs. It depends on what your specific needs are during the ceremony, but it is to me uncanny how the energy can totally shift from one song to the next. Like one song, I will be working on stuff with, you know, my mother and then the song will shift and I'm working on stuff with my father. You know, it just will instantly shift with the song. Yeah. The songs are definitely a huge part of the medicine experience without a doubt. That's so interesting. 
So Patty and I are on our two-year anniversary, meaning we've been doing this podcast together for two years, coming into our third. And so this marks the next episode that we're going to do. And in celebration of that, we're going to revamp everything. We're going to revamp our intro, our music, our logo, revamp the website. So just know you're still getting the same us. It's still us but uh, the aesthetic might be a little bit different. So you can keep your eyes peeled for that. For our next podcast to mark our anniversary, we want to do a listener Q&A. So this is your opportunity to chime in. I highly recommend going to our Instagram at Spirit Speakers Podcast, or you could email us through our website, spiritspeakerspodcast.com and submit some questions. And Patty and I are going to take time on our anniversary podcast to answer those questions for you. So anything about anything, anything about previous episodes or just common curiosity about what it is to be psychic or things about us in general, like we'd be more than happy to answer and we'd love to hear from you. That's going to be so much fun. Again, if you enjoy our podcast, if you're moved by this episode, we truly appreciate you donating to that donation button, either in our link tree link on our Instagram account or on spiritspeakerspodcast.com. The love is greatly appreciated. It helps us kind of cover some of our costs. So thank you all again for being out there. We just really feel like... We are part of this like-minded spiritual community. We're really enjoying getting to know all of you and hearing your feedback and your questions and your experiences and your validations. We just really love and appreciate all of you. And it's so good doing this and recording this and knowing that we have so many receptible, lovely people out there listening. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And I just wanted to say, I do have a catalog of old questions that we have been given from people who have reached out to us and sent us comments. And I will be including those on the list as well as whoever wants to reach out and request a question to be answered. We'll try to get to as many as we can. All right. Much love and aloha to you all. Take care.